Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. The show that brings you in where the magic happens. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop writer, Evan. Hey, what's going on? We are at SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure you check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. On today's podcast show, we're going to be talking about a coming attraction, actually two coming attractions, because turns out there's not much information on one of them, but we'll get to that uh, in just a second. And after we're done talking about the coming attractions, we're going to move on to uh, our SIF topic, which is, of course, a nostalgic pick this week, since it's the first Wednesday of the month. Had Evan pick a movie, and he decided to go with Brink, so we'll talk about Brink a little bit more later. And if you, uh, I really hope that you're one of those people that all of a sudden heard Brink and you're like, man, I haven't thought about that movie in 15 years. You're welcome. Um, that's the, that's the, that's the hope of these, these nostalgia picks. And when we're done talking about Brink, we'll move on to the B plot, answering a question, uh, from an audience member. And then we'll wrap up with a quick spinoff, a recommend or warn from each one of us. But first, as always, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. So Evan, uh, when did you realize that you had a passion for movies? So I don't have a specific time that I can say like, this is the moment, you know, that magic moment where film filled my soul. But uh, I do remember like going to see like, we're back a dinosaur story from like 93 or whatever it was with my grandpa. And like, I lucked out because I'm 31. So I was like eight or nine when the Star Wars films re-released. So I got to relive basically what all the you know, heroes of criticism and, you know, growing up on the YouTube era podcasts, I got to pretty much grow up the same as the totally rad show guys did watching star Wars when they were a kid and getting all the toys. So really I've loved film all throughout. Um, and then I went to film school. So I wanted to learn how to make film, write all that worked at blockbuster, worked at the movie theater, got to be a projectionist. So Pretty much I've I've had a lot of ins and outs with the love affair of film. So cool, man. I'd kill to see Star Wars on the big screen. I, I'm just young enough that I don't I think the only time that really would have been I mean, they're always playing somewhere. Right. But I think the only time that was like really widespread was when they were trying when they were going to re-release them all in 3D and mm-hmm. they started with Phantom Menace and nobody went to go see it. So they just yeah, so no decided one. to stop. <laughs> I remember that because we saw the employee screening for it and then it never came, the other two didn't come out. Right. Yeah, I just I didn't uh, I, I didn't get a chance to go see. I mean, I was still young at that time. And uh, you also who really wants to go see Phantom Menace again. Uh, <laughs> Um, especially I think they released it like as a summer blockbuster. Like I'd rather see most other things than Phantom Menace again. And I don't hate Phantom Menace. But it's in 3D. <laughs> right, right, right. You get to see, you know, all that Jar Jar tongue in 3D. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the only Star Wars I've seen is the Disney released ones in theaters. Oh, wow. Okay. So just because I, I mean, even Revenge of the Sith, that was what, 2006? I was 11. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually, lucked I think, out. I think my mom took me to see Attack of the Clones. 
Um, but I was young enough. I barely remember it. Gotcha. So. Cool. Well, Hey, what's your favorite movie and why? All right. So I'm going to go deep cut and it's, it's back to the future. Back to the future is my favorite movie. It's not a deep okay. cut. It's a lot of people's favorite movie. If they're into films, but- I know it's definitely people's like, on their list, but I don't. I have no. I know very people people who actually say it's their favorite movie. Yeah, I I adore that film. I think it has just so much charm. Uh, I love how they made it. I love the fact that they came up with a way to do parents and kid by doing the makeup to age them up, rather than find someone to try and age them down. Right. So. Uh, well, con- nowadays they would just cast an older person and CGI them down. Yeah, just get Robert Downey. And I mean, you've seen the deep fake probably with Tom Holland and uh, Robert Downey Jr. Where they oh, basically yeah. put him in as for Doc and Tom yeah. Holland for Marty. But yeah, I mean, I just, I think that the cast is completely perfect uh, and the continuity. I love watching that movie and seeing how much they pay attention to what they did introduce to you in the beginning. And then at the end with like the name of the mall or, you know, things that he caused ripples and changes to. And then the following films continue on with that. I think they're all great. Yeah, that's that's definitely a solid pick. And one of the like the best things about Back to the Future is that it's both an excellently made movie and it's Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Like, you know, Shawshank Redemption is an excellently made movie. It's not a lot of fun, though. No, um, so, I mean, it's like sometimes it can be right. And, you know, Inception kind of same way, like can be fun when it wants to be. But for the most part, it's just a really well-made movie that's captivating. And so that's mm-hmm. why, I, you know, I recently changed to saying nice guys is my favorite just because it's so fun. Um, it's just it's it just brings a smile to my face every time. So so you you like the Back to the Future sequels quite a bit. Yeah, I think that the second one gets a bit darker, which I think turns some people off because, I mean, you are getting basically the worst timeline that we're almost kind of living in right now. Right. Um, and then the third one's just fun. I know that they made that because Mar- uh, because Michael J. Fox said that he, where would he want to go if he could go anywhere in time? And he said the old West. And then that's where the third one took place. So, and you just get a lot more, you know, it, they're having fun with it. Obviously they filmed second and third at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, they're having fun. They know their budget's not going to go through the roof. So they're making jokes about Frisbees or, you know, the fact that he learned how to shoot at 7-Eleven. Uh, right. You get ZZ Top in there for, you know, the perfect end of an 80s situation. Uh, and, yeah, I just, I love I love the whole franchise as a whole. The first one's definitely the best. But I don't think that the quality dips, really. It's just whether or not it's too dark or too silly. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I, it's been a long time since I've seen the third one, but I, I really like the second one. I just I don't recall the third one being really necessarily good. Yeah, that's a, that's a great pick. So how did you get involved in writing for Sith Pop then? So uh, like a lot of other writers, uh, Blake has uh, introduced me to the website. And uh, basically, I started writing back when uh, during the Sin Week in 2019. So basically did that. The first topic was a BEC for the best elephant films. Okay. And I wrote about Aladdin because Abu gets changed into an elephant for a while. So I figured, well, there's a out-of-the-box choice. And I think I got third on that list, so that was kind of fun. Nice. But, but yeah, been doing BECs, did a couple of film reviews here and there. So 
Cool. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of people. I mean, we already talked a lot about how Blake gets a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. to, he really started uh, this hip hop uh, writers becoming kind of what it is. And, uh, and Ben's doing an excellent job uh, with the website Definitely. stuff, keeping up with that. So um, I think, I think that that's really great. Yeah. It sounds like Blake got a lot of people from Sin Week too, because yeah. at least Frank uh, and uh, Dexter, and I think one or two other people. Yeah. That's where out. I met them too. So I'd love to make it there. I just, can't afford it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I got one one last question for you. It's, it's a little bit silly, uh, but uh, uh, if you were at a party, uh, what what song do you go and you tell the DJ to to play? Or let's say the DJ steps away for two seconds. What song do you add to his cue? Oh man, I'm so <laughs> I'm not so much a troll most of the time, but when that kind of opportunity arises, I would either be throwing on uh, Freebird. By Leonard Skinner, <laughs> just because it's a long movie or it's a long song and it has like just that ridiculous solo. Right. I used to troll one of my coworkers by throwing it on our speakers right. and then just yelling about like the birds free uh, and stuff like that. But <laughs> if I really wanted to make my touch before the movie that Edgar Wright, uh, the driving film, shoot, Baby Driver, Baby Driver thank you, uh, Baby Driver. I would have thrown on Hocus Pocus by Focus because I don't think hardly anyone knew that song, especially in our generation, until that film came out. And it is a weird song because it's basically this guy doing yodeling and playing a flute. Look it up on YouTube. Watch the music video from like the 70s. The dude is a madman, but it is it is it's also a really fun song. So right, and, and it works really well in Baby Driver. Yes, that scene is amazing. The moment I heard that, I was like, I because I've known that song forever, but that song is just so funny sounding too. Because you're not yeah. expecting you know guitar riffs and you know awesome rock and all of a sudden yodeling and flutes and yeah, <laughs> you will play yes flute. Yes. So anytime I can. Yeah. So I would throw that in there. I guarantee it would not mesh with anything that the DJ had set up. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, man, I didn't even like, I thought about like kind of trolling. I mean, cause like I, I did this question with, I think Robert a while ago about like, what's that one song that if it plays at a wedding, you're getting up and you're dancing to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I said, it's raining men for that. And you know, that, that, that's always a good choice for, for any time you get to pick yes. a song. <laughs> but, uh, but I was thinking about this. If I get to go, uh, if we're at a party and I get to go pick a song, I do a cue or whatever. Like, I mean, and this, this wouldn't work out either because I was also thinking of my days where I was working at a cook and I was, I would close. I mean, of course I'd take the speaker and blast closing time as loud as I could. Yeah. Uh, as, as I was, uh, you know, the minutes before the restaurant was, uh, was, mm-hmm. was shutting down. So, um, uh, I, I think I would pick the donkey roll from pop star. Never stop. Never stopping. <laughs> I've never seen that movie, so now Ooh. I have to watch it. I have to listen to it. <laughs> it's should an excellent to, movie. Should I listen to the song out of context or watch the movie to get the context at the same time? I would watch the movie first, and I'll say that for any pop star song. It's mm-hmm. only because the context makes it better. Okay. Um, and in general, you want your first experience of those songs to be when you're watching the movie. Okay. Um like, because you want to kind of get that experience as opposed to, but then go back and listen to the soundtrack. It's an excellent soundtrack as well. Uh, and the donkey roll is a pretty pivotal, pivotal song to that. So I would just say do that, but it's got like a, it's got like a, it's got some weird kind of dated beats that would just make everybody at a party kind of stand still and look around. And you'd be like, 
what's going on but then all of a sudden it gets to the like instrumental part and then, and then like they have a specific dance that they do in the song and i feel like i mean that part people get it could get into but i mean me and my wife definitely tried to learn the donkey roll and it's nice. not that hard to actually learn and it's really simple uh, and i don't dance at all but uh, but i'd be in the middle of the floor me and my wife just just doing the donkey roll and everybody looking at us like what are you doing <laughs> i think that'd be a good time i will throw that on my list please do please 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 do <laughs> uh cool well <clears throat> now we got a chance to to kind of know you a little bit get familiar with your voice uh you you want to talk about some coming attractions yeah let's do that cool well first off we're going to talk about nomad land for uh for just a, a short while here nomad land is supposed to be coming out december 4th uh that's you know this friday <laughs> um same day as mink is coming out which i talked about last week with robert a uh, nomad land synopsis for this movie is it follows a woman in her 60s after losing everything in the great recession embarks on a journey through the american west living as a van dwelling modern day nomad now pretty vague but i get the feeling that that's kind of what this movie is going for it's mm-hmm. it's kind of going for like a like an exploratory adventure you know kind of like a like a peanut butter falcon or a little miss sunshine or something like that right yeah um yeah it definitely looks more like i mean the trailer doesn't need to tell you much because it's more experiencing it with her yeah so you know i'm sure someone homeless that's going through like a nomadic journey you can right. show me them like falling down a hill or you know showing drama but i'm not gonna get it other than if the trailer's doing better by not showing much because if you're just gonna show me hey here's all the hardship then i'm gonna be like that's a bummer of a movie yeah i agree and uh man there's just unfortunately there's not much information about this movie that we can really talk about it too much i was hoping there would be because I know this is a movie that um, I'm pretty sure it premiered at one of the festivals earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know this is supposed to be a front runner for a lot of the Oscars. I mean, we're getting to that season. Uh, it's a little bit later than I think most uh, most years. But, you know, we talked about Mank last week with Robert and, of course, talk about Nomadland here. I, I know. Oh, and then Trial of Chicago 7 was less than a month ago. Like, I'm pretty sure all those are supposed to be kind of the three big front runners. There's definitely some other ones in that conversation as well. But um Unfortunately, I just don't know anything about it. But what I do know is that people that are seeing it are having a good time with it. And as I talked with Robert last week, I mean, try not to keep that, like let that influence what my thoughts of the movie are going to be. Right. But, I mean, we got Francis McDormand, who's excellent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the, the I mean, it looks like it's going to be well cast. It's just uh, we have very little information on the story itself. But I'm, I would definitely check it out when it's so, available. Yeah, well, and here's the other thing about the cast, too, is all of these are no-namers except for Francis McDormand. Mm-hmm. They're, they're people that are playing themselves, so I don't know if this is maybe supposed to be a little bit more of like a, or like a documentary style, because like there's uh, Patricia Greer, who's playing Patty, and Linda May, who's playing Linda, and Angela Reyes, who's playing... An- like, I, I, I don't know, or maybe this is just going by in order of appearance, and there's like actual people later. Okay, we got David Strathairn later, but he plays Dave, like... right. But it could be that's a little bit more of like a Medal of Honor situation. I think that's the right film where they had a lot of people that were actually, you know, military. Oh, Active Valor. Yeah, Active Valor. Thank you. Uh, Active Valor. And so you get more of a real sense of what it's like. You're not getting someone that's trying to play it up. You're just kind of having someone kind of showing you this is actually how things are, which with this kind sure. of content could be the right way to do it. Right. 
I agree. I think this movie looks really interesting. Um, I mean, Frances McDormand, you, you mentioned you haven't seen a lot of her filmography. Uh, you no. Said it's pretty much just Fargo. Just Fargo? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, I'm not definitely like the expert on her filmography because I haven't seen a lot of this stuff. But uh, but yeah, I've seen um, Fargo, Primal Fear. She's good in that. Burn After Reading. She's a she's great in that movie. Oh, you know what? No, I did see that. So yeah, she's she's good in that too. That was fun. Hail Caesar, Three Billboards, Isle of Dogs, and uh, was the narrator and God in uh, Good Omens. So, so she's got. I mean, she's obviously impressive filmography. We don't need to say that. Um, she's an Oscar winning actress for mm-hmm. Three Billboards. So, you know, don't need to mention that she's uh, she collaborates with the Coens because she's married to one of them. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and they they generally make good movies. I, I don't I don't really know. There's much else we could say. I mean, Chloe Zhao is directing this. It's uh, Chloe Zhao really hasn't done anything that I know. Yeah, it's been pretty pretty sparse. Right, but but she's you know, she's doing the be... Eternals, mm-hmm. the Eternals next year for Marvel, which was already supposed to have come out by now. But um, as has everything else. Right. Well, and it looks like this is based off of books, so probably that like you know documentary style is not is not right. This is an actual story here. They probably just cast a bunch of extras or no namers mm-hmm. and didn't bother about changing up names. I mean, and that's fine, you know. So um either way, I mean I think this is gonna be good. This I think when do you think you'd check this out? If this was let's say this is gonna be a theatrical release and let's say COVID doesn't exist tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, well I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be a theatrical release, but let's say COVID doesn't exist anymore, you know. Um when do you think you'd get around to ch- checking this out? Would you go opening weekend, opening night? Um, would you wait for a matinee, save a couple bucks? Uh, would you wait to rent this, wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for, or are you just not interested in watching this? So honestly, in, in an alternate timeline where COVID's not a thing, uh, I had not heard of this film until, you know, basically this week, you know, this morning. Uh, so it would probably be something where, you know, once you start hearing Oscar buzz and they kind of do the re-releases, you go to the art theater nearby and go check it out there. That's what I would probably do. That or if it was already on Amazon Prime by that time or something like that, then I might check it out there for the convenience. But say they didn't release it there yet, I would definitely try and see this before the awards just to see what the buzz was about. But I can't say that I knew much about or knew about this film at all before, you know, preparing for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you. I don't I don't know that this is a movie that necessarily screams you need to rush out to see this. But I do, I do really want to see it, you know, because it's, it's mm-hmm. that, you know, do I need to see this opening weekend? Do I care about, you know, spoilers and, uh, and people potentially ruining it for me? You know, is, is there that much anticipation, that much excitement that, you know, I can't wait the next couple of days. And I mean, honestly, it, it kind of sucks to say this, but I think blockbusters are pretty much just that, right? Like, it, the, the, I don't know that there's nothing necessarily urgent about me seeing this movie, but I am really excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like in spirit, I'm like, you know, low end of opening, opening night, like high end of matinee. Like I want to see it soon, maybe like a Friday morning matinee or a Saturday morning matinee, like opening weekend, but still like save a couple bucks. And there's probably not a few people, not many people in the theater, but you know, in, in reality, I, if it was available to rent before the award show, I would, uh, I would check that out. Mm-hmm. probably about then so yeah unfortunately not much else we can say about this but uh it sounds like we're both really interested in it at least yeah i'm I'm intrigued i'll have cool. to check it out when it I, i'm this looks like the sort of thing that'll be on amazon prime by like february yeah i mean that, 
that's exactly the same thing I was thinking. This this kind of feels like it has that like Amazon original movies kind of like quality, which is not a bad thing. Like they make really good movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of their stuff is Oscar contending, I think, because um, like I know re- big examples are like Manchester by the Sea and The Big Sick. I know they bought out a couple others recently, but they weren't necessarily uh, produced by Amazon. Like they did the right. the Dave Bautista um, My Spy, I think. But they didn't make that movie. They just bought it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, um, let's talk about a, a movie then that we, I mean, in theory should know more about, although I don't know that I actually do. No, uh, this is another about... one. I mean, I, I try to avoid trailers to begin with. So, okay. and with the movie theaters being closed, there's even less likelihood for me to like accidentally see a, a trailer. But yeah, this this next one, Black Bear. Yeah, so Black Bear is also coming out this week, and uh, the synopsis here is a filmmaker at a creative impasse seeks solace from her tumultuous past at a rural rural retreat. Man, it's a hard word to say. Only to find that the woods summon her inner city demon or inner inner demons in intense and surprising ways. So this this looks like a a very interesting movie, right? This yeah, this looks like the sort of thing that I would I'm I'm definitely interested. I didn't know about it until now, but now I'm like, I want to see this. Yeah, I think this is kind of the same thing for me is I, I feel like I, I don't really know much. I, I had heard of this movie, but not I hadn't seen the trailer or anything. But I was like, well, this is also coming out this week and we can't really talk about Nomadland for long. But Black Bear also is going to be pretty big. Evan, kind of same rules. COVID doesn't exist. It's going to be theatrical release. When are you seeing this? I'd see this opening weekend. Yeah, yeah. me too. Why? <laughs> Why? Yeah. I mean, one, I like the style. The trailer does a good job of, you know, intriguing me without giving away too much. It does show that things are going to get pretty crazy in it, but uh, it makes me want to see that unfold. I want to see the process. And she's a filmmaker and they make some references about her, like acting in her own films and how she feels about that, which with my love of, you know, all of the processes of the film, you know, making, writing, watching, uh, it just kind of, it hits all those cylinders for me. So, yeah. uh, I really want to see how, cause some of it looks like she could be acting out a scene. So it makes me wonder like, okay, where are we going to start seeing like reality and her fiction and however that on, you know, what does that mean? So I'm, I'm very curious to know this story now. Yeah, I'm the same way. I think there's some really interesting things that are going to kind of mess, at least the trailer is kind of throwing you off of mm-hmm. like, are they, are, is this during filming or is this during real life? Uh, how, how does this actually look at uh, seeing Aubrey Plaza and like her complexities as a filmmaker in this movie, I, I think really intrigues me. And there, there's also like a real sense of like mystery behind, mm-hmm. behind what's going on here. This is definitely a movie that I don't want spoiled. No. So... And it looks captivating, too. I mean, this says drama here, but I, I think I might classify this as thriller, right? Yeah, I was seeing somewhere else that was kind of like a comedy, uh, but like a dark, com- you know, dramedy sort of thing. Okay, like a, like a black comedy or like a... Looks like it, yeah. I mean, I'm seeing drama, drama, but then I was reading about it somewhere and it was saying it had a little bit of a, you know, definitely looks like it's got a, some humor spin to it, sure. too. Yeah, I, I would say this this kind of has a similar tone to like Gone Girl. Right, where it's like really dark and mm-hmm. would definitely classify it as a as a thriller as mm-hmm. well. And, and I mean, thriller is my favorite genre, so yeah, take that into account. 
honestly, I, I, if cases ever go down in my city, I might venture out to a theater to see this. But if this is going to be a VOD release, I'm probably going to pick it up as soon as I can. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about some of the things. Why? Uh, like, why specifically other than that? I mean, writer, director here, Lawrence Michael Levin, he really doesn't have anything to his name that I recognize, which isn't to say that he doesn't have anything worth seeing. It's just me. <laughs> I don't recognize anything that he's put in there. Relatively small cast. It's like, what? 10, 15 people in this cast list. Yeah. And there, some of them are probably in there for just a few moments. Uh, I mean, it seems like they're basically these people at the cabin. We only see like three characters really interact. It does look like Blair, who's the non Audrey Plaza female in the, uh, played by Sarah Garden. I mean, it looks like she is going to be a fun person. That's kind of just acknowledging this has gone completely off the rails and I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Yeah. Uh, do you recognize so her at all? I don't. Okay. I'm, I'm. I don't either. But I've seen stuff that she's in. Let's see. She does uh, Cosmopol- Cosmopolis. That's a 2012 Robert Pattinson movie that I don't know anything about. And then did um, Enemy in uh, with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Denis Villeneuve, in uh, mm-hmm. in 2013. That's an excellent movie. She's apparently in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 as Carrie. That's probably just a small role i don't remember that and then she plays a uh, sadie in 112263 which i think is a uh, like i've definitely seen that <laughs> and she's in uh the third season of true detective as elisa montgomery and she's apparently in castle rock oh a couple episodes she's in the most dangerous game quibi um short series so she's got some stuff to her it's just a lot of stuff that i don't necessarily recognize her but she looks like she's doing a great performance here. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the thing is like, she seems like she's kind of uh, going to be the vessel of like, sort of, this is what's supposed to be. And Audrey Plaza and is going to completely shatter that world. So yeah, it looks fun. Well, and I don't reckon, I know I recognize the name Christopher Abbott. I don't really recognize him though. No, same thing. It's yeah. This seems like a smaller, a smaller cast. Maybe this will introduce him into a bigger, right. Well, he's been in It Comes at Night and Whiskey Dangle Foxtrot. I think both of those were at least minor hits. Yeah. And he was in The Sinner, I think, in the first season. But yeah, I, I think he also looks great. And yeah, I mean, Aubrey Plaza. I mean, most movies that have Aubrey Plaza, especially like now, she's done a she's had a very interesting career. Mm-hmm. That I would not have expected this from her when every most people's exposure to her was Parks and Rec. Like, yeah, uh, that and Scott Pilgrim and, you know, some of those more indie-ish films at the time well and she's just like straight up comedy in those mm-hmm. like scott Pilgrim versus the world apparently she was in funny people yeah definitely like parks and rec for a while i mean safety not guaranteed that's a really charming movie you know even did stuff like that ntsf SUV on adult swim and did like portlandia and monsters university apparently but then all of a sudden she does things like gosh what was that like the one where she plays like in a witch cult or something like that <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of it, but like she did like that, which was pretty, I mean, life after Beth looked pretty dark, but also still like had some comedy, did dirty grandpa. And then there's Ingrid, Ingrid goes West. She definitely doesn't keep herself in one wheelhouse. I mean, she's done voice for, you know, legend of Korra also. Right. Oh, she, and she was in Legion for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, when that show was existing, she was, I think one of the main leads. So like, she's just had a really interesting career, but I'm kind of digging where it's going with her. I mean, I do like miss that April Ludgate sometimes, but at the same time, I don't think she was getting like great roles in, in comedy after Parks and Rec. I think people were afraid that they would just see April Ludgate. And so, you know, she was great in Safety Not Guaranteed and she's great in Scott Pilgrim versus the world, but 
maybe she just kind of decided that she had to make a change. Otherwise it wasn't really going to work. Right. Yeah. I think she just picks roles that seems interesting to her. She doesn't seem like the sort of person that's constantly going for like, what can get me the most eyes, but more what's a fun character to do. Yeah. I think she's going to win an Oscar at some point. Do you think that? I think she has the ability to, I think it just, you know, if she gets the right role, gets the right timing, obviously this year is going to be a complete, who knows? Right. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog for best special effect. <laughs> I feel like I feel like she's going to win an Oscar at some point because I feel like she she's already established as most people recognize her and most people would agree she's a good actress, especially in comedy roles. But you know, I, yeah, and I I would say she's a good actress in general, and she's 1984, so she's what 35, 36. Like she's young. Yeah, I mean, I think she, if she got like a role like Emma Stone got in like The Favorite or something like that, I think that she could play something like that or, you know, I think she's got depth. Yeah. And she's got that like she can be quiet and just her facial expressions can be kind of, you know, draw you in. I mean, that was one of my favorite things when she was on Parks and Rec was just like the looks to the camera where you can tell like she doesn't want anyone to know she's happy, but secretly she's happy and then you like want to give her a hug so <laughs> you know yeah. like it's those things where like she can be subtle and she can also be ridiculous so i i think based off of kind of what i have seen in this movie so far is uh i think this might be her you know uncut gems or something like that i think this is really going to put her on the map and people are going to start recognizing her and taking her seriously as a as a dramatic actor and this is going to get her some great roles, mm-hmm. I think, uh, and some good notoriety. And yeah, I think if she c- continues on this trajectory, I mean, she should be an Oscar winning actress at some point. Yeah, no, I think she's, I think she's great. I've, I'd cast her in something if I had had <laughs> anything to cast her in. Yeah. Well, kind of same thing I said about Emma Stone. I would watch Dolly Plaza eat cheese off a cracker for an hour and a half because and she's she one of the actresses fun, right? that I could, <laughs> I could, I could see her doing that. I mean, she's done stuff like you know, <laughs> right? drunk history. So yeah, if someone said, "Hey, Audrey or uh, Aubrey, uh, do you want to? This will be funny. Eat crackers. Get you, <laughs> get her that like everything crackers from Trader Joe's. Get that like cracker thing. Yeah, you yeah. know the uh, the cheese. Well, and you and give her just, like different assortments of cheeses. You got like your canned cheese. You got like pepper jack, enchi- some nice finely shredded stuff. An entire stuff. charcuterie board. Yeah, you get her some fondue stuff. Yeah, like <laughs> she, she'd have some fun with it. I actually kind of really want to see this happen now for some stupid reason. Yeah, just live live stream that on Thanksgiving. Well, it's almost like that when they released uh, Nick Offerman just drinking whiskey in front of a fireplace for yeah, an hour for and a half. Yeah, 45 minutes like, <laughs> or something. I, I watched that. I watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think uh, I think there's a lot to look forward to here. I'm I'm really excited to see this. Like I said, if this is going to be VOD, I'm going to check it out very Definitely. very quickly. Um, and like, oh, and the only way I'm really going to get to a theater is if COVID cases go down. Yeah, for sure. It's you know if I could, or maybe it'd be one of those like I might consider going on like a Wednesday morning because who goes on Wednesday morning? You know, mm-hmm. if I could, pretty much guarantee I'll have something to mostly myself. You know. Uh, I think we've said about all we can. Do you have any yeah, other thoughts? I, Anything you want to say? About? No, I'm, I'm, I, again, I don't really try to watch trailers. I try to avoid them when I can. Obviously that's easier to do now than ever before. But uh, having said that, seeing this trailer, I'm, I'm full tilt wanting to see it. I want to, I want to see this movie. I'm right there with you. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that we couldn't talk about Nomadland for long because otherwise this would have just probably completely flown, flown under my radar. 
Yeah. And uh, now I'm really excited about this. So Got two movies. Well, hey, I know you're excited. You want to talk about Brink? Oh, do I? <laughs> so let's uh, let's let's take this as a transition to to do a SIF topic for the week where we talk about Brink. There's a 1998 movie streaming on Disney Plus if you're interested in watching it. Um, synopsis for this movie is Andy Brink Brinkner and his inline skating crew who call themselves Soul Skaters clash with a group of sponsor skaters, Team X Blades course blades with a z <laughs> mm-hmm. with whom they attend high school in southern california when brink discovers his family is in financial trouble he goes against the wishes of his parents and his friends and joins team x blades brink tries to lead a double life but will he be able to pull it off so this is a decom disney channel original movie from uh, from 1998 this uh, surprisingly has a 7.1 on imdb i don't know that any decom has ever gotten that high of a rating at least in my limited history of, of decoms um there's no metacritic for the score uh, for this because of course it's decom and same thing there's no um, critics consensus for rotten tomatoes but this does have a 76 percent audience score on rotten tomatoes so you know, it sounds like Evan, you weren't the only one that really loved this movie um, at at some point in their life. That sounds uh, uh, pretty promising. But so, what is your history with the movie? Out of all the movies you could have picked, why why did you pick this one? So I am someone that rewatches a lot of films all the time. So when being told, "Hey, we're doing a nostalgia film," but one that we haven't seen in a while, I was like, "Crap! I've watched everything." And I, you know, I have a wife now, and uh, you know, I've no, I've been with her for seven years when we started dating. So we watched a lot of movies that like I grew up on or she grew up on. So coming to this, I'm like, what do I pick that I haven't seen and have like fully fresh in my mind? And so when Disney Plus came on, the first film I threw on there was Brink. Uh, just because it was one of those films that I remembered but you had no accessibility to it. Sure. There was It was on Disney Channel, and then it was gone forever. And so I had some songs that were stuck in my head from it, and I just figured I'd throw that on there. And then the podcast idea came up, and I, I decided, hey, let's do Brink. That's, that's nostalgia-y. That's 90s. That's something that most people will probably either only remember from being a kid or not remember at all because they were too young. So yeah, I'm trying to do like a quick look on on Amazon, and yeah, you're right. This, I mean, you can you can buy it on Prime or on a, on Prime Instant Video, whatever it is. Uh, you can't like get it for free, but you can definitely buy it. Wow, it has a five star rating on Amazon Prime. Nice, four point eight. Oh man, bunch of soul skaters on there. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you can uh, you can check this out. But that, yeah, that's the only way you can get it. And even then, I'm not totally positive it was available until Disney Plus came out. Yeah, unless someone recorded on their VHS player back then, you know, right. or had a super fancy DVD recorder or just a DVR box from way back in the day. Right. There, there was no way to watch it. So, well, that's what I'm saying is like, I think like Disney never released it. Like they never put out a mm-hmm. DVD or anything. So you had yeah, to have so. watched it and then. Like and, and then maybe when they put it on Disney Plus and they got it converted, they're like, yeah, sure, we'll let people pay to watch this too. Yeah, still in four by three. <laughs> yeah, st- still in that four by three, which uh, was a was a nice throwback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I n- I never heard of this movie. Uh, a lot of that is because I didn't grow up with cable. Um, we had antenna for the longest time uh, until I think I was in middle school, and then eventually we got cable. So yeah, I didn't. There's really like a lot of the nostalgia stuff is really not like 
similar to other people and especially like when they talk about like cartoons like people get really on about what's the one about like like rocket power is that one yeah rocket power people talk about rocket power all the time i've never seen an episode um, oh man well like people yeah, talk but... about courage the cowardly dog and it's yes. like I, i've seen this clips. is my childhood i've seen clips but i haven't been able to like catch it dexter's like, laboratory dexter's lab i only caught like select videos you know when they came on like you get a you get an episode on a you know scooby-doo vhs or something like that mm-hmm. you know e- even cat dog like that was that was that was a little bit more mine but uh it didn't have oh, nickelodeon yeah. so i couldn't see it uh except for you know, like three or four episodes that i watch over and over again and uh yeah so i i re- like recess proud family mm-hmm. the stitch tv series like that's kind of my era and back when abc was still playing their disney stuff on saturday mornings Right. Like that, that's about all I could get. So that Saturday morning cartoon, uh, the Saturday morning, one Saturday morning jingle still in my head every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't I honestly don't know that I've ever seen like any decoms. you know, by well, the they time. also pumped out like 12 a year. So, right, you know, right. Well, and I remember seeing a lot of trailers for them because eventually when I did get cable, you know, that was right around the time that like, you know, Hannah Montana was still at its peak. And uh, I remember seeing all the trailers for them. But I didn't see any of them. <laughs> I think this might be my first exposure. So congratulations. You've done it. You're welcome. I sifted <laughs> this pop. Good. <laughs> well, and then after uh, revisiting this movie, you used to hold this in fond memories. Uh, do, you, do you currently like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay? Uh, I, I like it. I mean, it's okay. It, it, I'm, I'm not going to argue that this is an amazing movie. It's not, but it's a fun one. Uh, I think it has a pretty good fun little message, you know, especially for kids. And, uh, it's, it's got that nostalgia to it. And I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an hour and a half. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a good one. It's okay. I love it, but, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Okay. I'm going to say I like this movie. I honestly didn't know what to expect. And, and here's why I, I don't, I'm not a big sports person in general, but I like sports movies. Cause I think, you know, like Moneyball, a league of their own miracle are, are great. Uh, my favorite sport is hockey and there's like five good hockey movies out there. Uh, so I love more of that. And, you know, I don't really watch a ton of football, but football movies tend to be at least. Okay. Um, yeah. You got a lot of drama. You got a lot of players. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, so I, I don't know, I'm not into the sports, but especially extreme extreme sports. Like my total history of ex- of extreme sports is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, like specifically mm-hmm. one and two, but really up until like American Wasteland, that was definitely the cutting off point. Yeah, and those came out around this time with the movie too. So you right. know, this is full tilt skateboarding, ska music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, inline skating. So like that. Plus the movie Grind, if that's a throwback for you, <laughs> like 2003. Oh, I'm sure it's a terrible movie. I haven't seen it in forever. Um, and the, uh, the most vertical primates with the with the monkey that was a skateboarder, <laughs> or yeah, I think he was a skateboarder and a and a hockey player in, in one of, in the other one. <laughs> he's he's everything. It was an Air Bud wannabe. <laughs> Yeah, but I kind of really loved them as a kid. Oh, no. I'm, I'm yeah. sure they don't hold up, but but yeah, the uh that like that is those kind of three things are my entire history of extreme sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so it's not very much, but uh but it is something. So you know, I, I, I didn't I wasn't really excited to dig into this uh, necessarily, but I had a good time. I, I'm not I'm not really sure why. I just 
I did. What What are some of the things that you really noticed? So, I mean, one, it's it is a it's a light movie. It's got a lot of fun music to it. You got Brink, who is like the most '90s bra of all time, because he's just like <laughs> he's talking in all sorts of colloquialisms that, like, if you didn't know the '90s, you're just completely phased. You'd be the dad to saying like, "What? What did you just say?" All I understand is you had a beef. You ate beef. Cool. What's that mean? Uh, <laughs> but he's such a positive, you know, happy guy about everything. Um, and you get to see them skating around. You just get to see like, this is what we like to do. We're doing that thing. So, yeah, you know, and you get the the smarmy jerk, you know, rival skate, uh, you know, inline skater Va- uh, Val, who, you know, is just all about I am the best. I am I'm awesome at my life. I get paid to do this. Everyone else sucks. And you just get that like you want to see him lose. Yeah. And yeah, so I think and then again with the Tony Hawk Pro Skater and like I was 9 when this movie came out. So, you know, you're learning how to rollerblade, you're learning how to, you know, do that sort of thing. And so it makes you want to go like, "Oh yeah, I want to skate. I want to go around and do, like Everywhere I can I never, go. I never got that. The whole time watching this movie, you know, even when they're doing their tricks, I'm like, what about this is impressive? Like, I get that I couldn't do it, but, like, I understand. You know, there's so many things you can do with a skateboard. There's so many things you can do with BMXing. Like, there's so many things mm-hmm. you can do with some of these sports. Like, there's you, you got to be so limited in rollerblading. I, I mean, the only one time that I was like, oh, that was actually really impressive was when he did the, the 540 invert at the end. Of course, the thing that he couldn't do yeah. all movie. You know, I, that was the only thing where I was like, okay, that, that was impressive. With the rollerblading and stuff like that. I mean, I, I just liked the ability to just, I wanted to skate everywhere. I would rollerblade like four miles a day as like an 11 year old going to like the Boys and Girls Club or something like that. And it was just, it was just the cool thing. And again, this is very nineties. Obviously skateboarding has outlasted inline skating by a long shot. And I agree playing the game. If there was a inline skating game, you'd probably have like, wow, look at you. You twisted your legs around while you were in the air. You're amazing. (laughs) Right. But there are, there is some cool style to it. I mean, it is connected to you. So it's not like you pick up your board, throw it down. It is an extension of yourself. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of that. I agree. I, and I do have some notes on some things that you've touched upon but now. So, look, first things first, I love the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think this was excellent. I loved pretty much all the music, the feel that it gives. Um, I even think I recognized some of them. They're, it very much feels like I'm watching Tony Hawk's Pro Skater as a like Disney com orig- or a DCOM. Like, that's kind of the vibe that I got. Like, the soundtrack feels very in line with like PG Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I'm into it. Um, that that made me really happy. Put a smile on my face for most of the movie. Yeah, and you mentioned the lingo. So, like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure even in 1998, the, this movie's lingo was outdated. <laughs> oh, no. It was definitely written by someone else that was trying to write like a, like a it, kid would talk. This was written by the way that they portray that dad character. Because, like, mm-hmm. they're, just, they're just throwing it in there. Like, you know, it, and they're so it's so obvious about it. Like in some of that lingo we still use today or has made a resurgence. Like I straight up laughed out loud when when Gabriella like or no, no, it was it was Brink uh, when he's like walking downstairs like, what up, fam? And I was like, people still use that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think it died for like 20 years in between. 
and uh and the uh <laughs> when he comes home with the x x blades bag and he mm-hmm. his little girl asks the little sister which by the way she's the best part of this movie mm-hmm. um <laughs> when she when she asks him you know she's like you left with less things that you have now what's in the bag and he says nunya 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 business it's like who has anybody said that in the last i mean this movie came out 22 years ago has anybody yeah. said that in the last 26 years not ironic not unless it was ironically <laughs> right <laughs> or unless they were like six and saying it to like a their four-year-old younger brother yeah they heard it the first time and they're like oh man i got the greatest burn in the world <laughs> i'm gonna scorch someone yeah um i'm positive this movie was inspired by point break point break and i'm low-key convinced that this movie inspired the fast and the furious (laughs) don't do that to me they're both the same setup they're both the same story i mean (laughs) you have your your crew and then the main character gets into a new crew that involves sports like or exotic exotic things and yada 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 and you know after you were talking i'm low-key convinced that this movie is a point break prequel even though this came out before after point break i'm convinced that this is a johnny utah origin story that's funny (laughs) but yeah i I mean this movie's not like it's not well made but it is well made considering it's a tv movie yeah i mean when you see them capture yeah when you see them capturing the uh the skate uh, the skating and stuff like that, you do see it's not, I mean, look at a lot of films. Now they do those quick cuts to like every punch or every, you know, every jump you, you watch arrow and you watch him jump off the, you know, the roof and you got to see like five angles from him just l- jumping from here to there. Right. And not to say that you don't see close ups in this film, but you do see some actual skating. You do see some cool tricks and you, they, they do linger on it long enough to actually see that, someone is doing this full stunt through it. Uh, Obviously, if you pause at certain times, you can tell that that's not, you know, it's not Brink doing the trick or. I didn't notice that. There's, there's a couple that you can kind of notice if you're looking for it. Uh, But on first viewing, you're not going to go. That wasn't that kid. And then they do some cool close-ups when they're doing like the grinds or when they're doing, you know, some tricks so that you see them, you know, flying through the air with the holding their skate in their hand or whatever. So yeah, I think they do, they do a relatively good job capturing the vibe of doing these tricks and skating around. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think, I think a lot of why I enjoyed this movie is my expectations and they actually worked out in my favor because I was expecting, all right, this is a Disney channel original movie from 1998. Probably the acting is going to be bad. And like, nobody's particularly bad but also nobody's particularly like great everybody's fine there's not really necessarily anything any bad actors the the only bad like filmmaking technique i noticed was the editing because the Mm -hmm. editing made the actors look worse than they were because they would like wait too long on a transition and right anyway um so like that was definitely noticing you know and some sometimes that over exaggeration of 90s lingo to try to be hip is a bit much but uh I was expecting obvious stunt doubles and I I didn't particularly notice. I mean, I figure some shots like they definitely set up that way. Like you could see sometimes they put the camera straight in the sunlight so you can really only see like a shadowy figure. Mm -hmm. I figured like that's probably not Brink doing that. Right. Um, But like I didn't explicitly notice things and I was full on expecting it. And I was expecting this movie to be cheesy and corny and hokey and not 
very well made and very predictable. And I mean, it's very predictable and it's, and it's relatively hokey, but I did, I wasn't embarrassed watching this movie. No, it's, it's got that Disney charm of like, you know, it is what it is where they're not going to, they're not reaching out for that Oscar. They're just kind of telling a fun story and showing some fun characters. And a lot of kids could relate. Uh, I'm though skating is not the thing right now. There's plenty of other things that, you know, the, I mean, the dad's biggest issue is he didn't want Brink to be letting his life be completely absorbed by one thing. Sure. And that kind of carries on. I mean, there's people that want to do gaming or they, you know, and they become the gamer instead of a skater. And the parent's going to go, I don't understand this world that you're in. And therefore I'm afraid that it's going to, you know, set you up for nothing good in the future, or you're just going to become too absorbed into it and let lose any interest in anything else. So. Right. And, and also with the dad, I, I like the, uh, I like his story of him being like unemployed. Like I've felt that feeling that, you know, that he had. So there's that, I, I kind of appreciate the, them introducing that as an aspect. And I think they did it well for, you know, again, a TV movie, they didn't over dramatize it, but you know, that is something that people have strains with and could motivate right. a kid to want to do something. Well, and not only that, but it's not just, he just can't find a job. It's he's getting off disability. He's mm-hmm. not sure if there will be a job for him. And right. like, you know, that is plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. Also, this X blades, the guy says they did 10 million in sales in the past year because of team X blades, but they only make $200 a week each and $200. If they win, they are vastly underpaid. I mean, that should be child labor laws, right? Because, like, I get $200 a week to a high schooler is a lot of money, you know, especially if you have a chance to earn earn some bonuses. And especially, we're talking 20 years ago, right, when mm-hmm. gas was still, like, a dollar a gallon. You know, I, I, I get it. That was a good chunk of money. But if he's saying they did $10 million in sales, those kids should be paid way more. Yeah, it makes me wonder if there's more Team X-Blades out there, like, or if it's literally just this, like, local four kids that are, like, skating for him. I mean, I get the feeling it's maybe, like, he has some people on reserves, but, like, he can't have people on reserves, right? Because otherwise they wouldn't have needed to do the tryouts. Like, maybe, right. maybe he's got several cities out there. And, you know, maybe he's got, you know, because this only takes place in L.A. So maybe he has L.A. and he has San Francisco and he has New York and he has Chicago and he has Houston and he has Miami and he has Orlando. Like maybe. Mm-hmm. But but either way, I mean, if he's making 10 million and these kids are getting paid 200, that's borderline child labor. <laughs> hey, man, they got they got <laughs> sponsored gear <laughs> and they got to do what they wanted to do for fun for money. And that's yeah. priceless. But as this movie goes way out of its way to say they're not having fun. <laughs> no, that's true. That's, that's true. what I, I wrote. I wrote that down. Sports isn't about fun. It's about winning cliche. And at that point, I just my brain went into cinema sins mode <laughs> uh, for the yeah. last like 30 minutes of this movie. And like it, it generally wasn't. I was having a good time for the first for the first while. But I think I think the trigger was that. And then all of a sudden, right after that is Gabriella's crash, which, by the way, like is the most fake thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Even though like, I'm pretty sure they actually had at least a stunt double, like mm-hmm. probably like it looks so fake. They might as well have just thrown like a, like a straw stuffed dummy. <laughs> oh, those crossfades built the drama, man. <laughs> but no, with the cinema sins thing, my, my biggest 
thing, and I remembered this from watching this like forever ago, was so the whole crux of it, it or not the whole crux, but like Pete and his inverted 540. And every time we're seeing him try to do this trick, because Brink says like, hey, you know, let's go see that 540 or Gabrielle, everyone at some point has like, hey, Pete, let's see that trick that you can't do. Yeah. And but my problem is the trick that he's that they're telling him to do every time we see him practicing it, it's in the pit. It's in that like street skating area. Yeah. And it's not, it's not on a big inverted ramp. Yep. It's like you're not it's like he's not going to get the air to do it. You're right. basically saying, hey, Pete, go hurt yourself constantly. They're trying and, to get him to do it on a half ramp where he's only able to do it on a full half pipe. Yeah. And it's like you get this drop in, like this small drop in, and then you get this wall ramp. It's like you're, you don't have the time. You don't have what you need to do this. So it just it bothered me. I'm like, man, Pete, they're jerks. They're trying to get you to do something that you just can't do on this setup. And so when he finally does it in avert, like, oh, hey, you know, Pete could do it the whole time. He just didn't have the proper equipment. Right. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I really only had a couple more nitpicks that I actually thought were right. I mean, sure, I noticed some nitpicky things around the the rest of the movie, but only some of them that I thought were like, yeah, like this is actually bad. This is actually like <laughs> worth noting. This isn't me being a nitpick. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I was being a nitpick, but I you know, not all of it. Not everything is worth saying. Uh, I mean, like, obviously, it's going to be Brink and Val at the end to decide everything. Like, obviously. Try it old story cliche, right? How awesome would it have been if they had, like, hey, Pete, you're going up against Val. Look, it, it, th- these, these movies end one of two ways. It, it's the main character and uh, the main antagonist going up head to head. Or it's the main character gets hurt and the side person who has always been overlooked gets a chance mm-hmm. to shine and does well and just stomps the yard, right? Um, you know, it, it's always one of those two scenarios. The only thing that kind of surprised me in terms of story story structure is that they don't try to cheat until the gravel with Gabriella. Like it took them that mm-hmm. long for the X-Blades people to try to cheat. I thought for sure when they did that initial school race where uh, Booker gets hurt, I thought for sure he was going to, it was going to be exactly like that Fast and Furious where, you know, uh, Brian's about to beat Dom and then they cheat. Yeah, if anything, Gabriella is the one that like, uh, throws off the the silent dude well but that's not cheating that's just throwing him off oh no that's just a psych out from basketball is all that is right um the other saying like that's the only time that they pull something to try and you know give themselves an advantage right um the other things i saw was that uh like as far as far as that is just you know of course unsupportive parents are unsupportive even though like they've seen no no signs of not supporting him like Mm -hmm. he has all this gear his room is full like just all of a sudden they're gonna be unsupportive and then um when he when he does the the games and he wears the the first of all the stupidest looking sunglasses i've ever seen <laughs> and then he and then he wears them as to try to cover his identity and it's like you need more than that bro like that's the equivalent of when captain america wears a black baseball cap to try to right like I, but here's the thing a baseball cap is better than just sunglasses <laughs> No, I agree. I mean, he's already wearing a helmet. There's only so much he can do to disguise himself and still, you know, right. perform his his duties as skater. Right. And uh, and yeah, the last thing is just why is it that movies that choose to end on a freeze frame pick the most unattractive frame? <laughs> like, it's it's in this movie. It's in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh my in, god! Yeah, <laughs> it's in so many things. If a movie's going to end on a free, freeze frame, it's always the most unattractive freeze frame you've ever seen. I mean, that ending gets pretty cheesy. I mean, 
every time that they talk about like soul skating, like part of me cringes a little bit because like outside of them just being, you know, having fun and stuff, them labeling themselves as soul skaters is what just makes me go, dude, I was with you until you called yourself a soul skater. In which case I'm like, yeah, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Do you, do you recognize any of the actors from anything else? Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, Obviously, growing up on a lot of these Disney Channel original movies, um, Brink is in a couple things. He's in uh, like Escape from Witch Mountain. Okay. The like the the Disney Channel original version of that, uh, not the one with the Rock. Uh, the not the nineteen fifty fifty ones either. No, no. <laughs> okay. um, Pete and him were in a show together about like this like traveling. Uh, like this mom was like a musician. And they were like brothers or like friends of like the daughter that was like doing paranormal, uh, paranormal writing. So, and then I know that uh, I think his name's like Eric Vaughn something, yeah. uh, the guy that plays Brink. Yeah. He's also in Leave It to Beaver as the older brother right. to Beaver Cleaver, Yep, uh, the movie. And he like in that movie, he's ridiculous because like he's basically the boy that just learned that girls are cool (laughs) and like just wants to kiss. And so he's like the, the constantly at like peak hormones. Like, I don't know how to handle my life. Like I'm visibly sweating at the concept of liking a girl. Uh, But outside of, outside of those things. Yeah. Pretty much everyone kind of falls off. Except for Val, I feel like Val was in something. I just can't remember what he was in. So, so I feel like uh, I didn't recognize anybody except for um, Brink and Val. Although I did think I recognized a couple other people. The kid, the the one kid on Team X Blades with the earrings, looks super familiar. I just can't place him. I can't place him in what I've seen. He just looks incredibly familiar. But uh, um, I've seen. So the only uh, the only thing I've seen Brink in was uh, was the Leave It to Beaver movie, which I haven't seen that in probably. 15 years I'm not I'm not planning on seeing that one again because I'm sure that one won't hold up no it's awful I mean don't <laughs> right. don't watch it yeah. there's no need to yeah. it's 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 not good yeah I I mean I I even think when I was a kid I was watching it being like this isn't good but I'm a kid so yeah so I but I definitely was getting glimpses of that and he's in a he's in a movie in 2003 so five years after break comes out he's in a movie in 2003 called barely legal which the only reason I ever heard of this movie or saw this movie is because I had a brother who was in high school, you know, a couple years after after this, and so he was. His kind of movies are those like Euro Trip and Road Trip, mm-hmm. and, and you know those kind of like raunchy comedies. And like to some degree, I like those too. But he would watch anything he could get his hands on, like that's kind of in that category. And so this was this was one of those. And it's uh, uh, essentially I remember this. You remember this movie. It's a him. little bit. It's him and two of his friends who are high schoolers that decide to make a porno. And it's, it's, it's Zach and Miri before Zach and Miri, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and I looked this up on IMDb because that just brought back a wave of nostalgia because I completely forgot about that movie. And it's got like Amy Smart in it too. I guarantee it's not good. But Also, for those following along, if you're Googling barely legal, be careful. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, good call. Um Maybe just go to IMDb. Instead. Yeah, just jump straight there. Yep. I, I just, I, it was weird kind of seeing him because I remembered him from that Leave It to Beaver kind of clueless person versus five years after Brink doing this high schooler making a porno movie. Um, and then here, here, here he is in Brink where it's <laughs> not even close to, to either no. of them. So, 
Um, so that was that was fun for me. And then Val, um, I recognize. Maybe maybe you can. Uh, maybe this is what you're thinking of. Val is uh, Spike in Little Giants. Is he? he okay, is. that sounds familiar. He just he has that face that like it is original enough. He's not like a generic looking dude. Sure. So imagine him with shorter hair that's also spiky. Mm-hmm. Um because that's 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 who he plays is is spiky. Yeah. He's he's the kid that uh which I love Little Giants. I think it's a it's probably not a great movie, but it's definitely hits me right in the nostalgia. But in uh in Ed O'Neill's team who the, who are the big brutes, mm-hmm. they get they get Spike as their like big aggressive kid that they could just sick on anybody and he'll take them down. And he you know talks like a Neanderthal and and all that. But uh, man, I'm gonna have to rewatch that. You should. You really should. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really interesting to kind of see. I mean, he's playing the same role here. He's just a little bit less Neanderthal in this movie, mm-hmm. but it's the same. It's the same role. He's he's the antagonist bully. That's you know he's a little bit more physical in Little Giants as opposed to you know some of the passive aggressiveness in in Brink. But uh, yeah, yeah. What else do you want to talk about? I really only have two very small notes. So now I'm living in Long Beach, which is a nearby of L.A. Having watched this film before, I didn't realize when I was at these locations and then rewatching this. Uh, I'm like, holy crap. That's the uh, so Long Beach Convention Center. So the opening scene when you got them like skating to Venice Beach yep. to, to the pit. And they uh, and they you know hop over some people's tables unnecessarily and just ruin their lunch. I know, right? It's like the whole Mighty Ducks situation where they're just <laughs> reckless abandon. Yeah, they do the same thing um, with Little Giants too. Yeah, I think that's a it's a prerequisite for the nineties. You I have so. to jump on you have to ruin people's food situation. Yeah. If you're if you're on something on wheels driving through a place that's populous, you have to have a complete disregard for everybody else and yes. their lunch. But uh so yeah, when they're skating around, um one of the places that they skate at is the Long Beach Convention Center. So there's like this big building with all these windows and then they go down like the big stairwell or staircase situation. Like I can walk there in like five minutes. And so seeing that, I was like, me and my wife were like, whoa, it's that place. We know that place, which is always wild when you see something filmed in, you know, a kind of your backyard or in an area that you're familiar with. Right. And then the downtown hill race starts at that. Like, you see that bell in the background? The downtown hill race? Yes, yes. Yeah, the down the hill, you know, at the end of the movie. Uh-huh. But they also pr- practice there. That is the Korean uh, friendship bell, which is in San Pedro. Hmm. So it is. this is all filmed in, you know, SoCal. It's not some random, like, Vancouver that looks like <laughs> it's, you know, California. Yeah, it's a bicentennial gift from, like, South Korea. But... Nice. I, I saw that like a couple weeks ago. So again, that was one of those moments where we're watching and we go, Oh, it's the bell. Yeah. That's always we there. That's always fun. I grew up you know, like 45, 40 minutes outside of downtown Chicago. So, you know, watching the blues brothers does that to me or mm-hmm. you know, the dark Knight, things like that, that are, that are a bit obvious. I obviously had never lived in Chicago, but it is cool to see those things. Um, I yeah. live in Iowa now. I don't think any movies ever been shot in Iowa except for field of dreams, which I live like an hour away from. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I lived in San Francisco for a few years, so, you know, watched movies like Venom or, sure. I mean, a lot of movies that take place. And oh, yeah. A million. It, the best is when it's just the traffic issues when you're like, um, so they literally just went down Broadway back over to Van Ness and then turned over again. So, like, what? Right. <laughs> this chase is w- one weird lap around this building. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably because they're trying to limit their 
you know, how many roads they have to block off. Oh, no, for sure. It's just funny when you're watching it with that m- mindset of continuity. It's right. like, I'm seeing the Coit Tower like 90 times in the background. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, though. Um, it, it is kind of nice when you get to see that kind of stuff. We secretly it's moved here so that we could be where Brink was filmed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, well, in that case, I'm moving to the island um, that they filmed Octo on in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> so um, the the two kind of minor notes I have, and this is just to kind of give you a glimpse of kind of what movie you're getting into if you haven't seen this. I spaced out for about 15 minutes, and I'm pretty sure I didn't miss anything. Like I pretty much from Gabriella's Fall to the final competition. Ow. I just like I spaced out. And like this is kind of the movie. You know exactly what's going to happen. You know how they're going to get there. You don't really need to pay attention to this. But like if you have kids, I think your kids would really enjoy it. Like mm-hmm. if you it, like – you know, or even just looking for a good time that you don't need to pay attention to. You know, a lot of times on this, even on this podcast, we talk about you know movies that are serious, and you know, movies are always so serious nowadays. It's part of the reason why I think The Nice Guys is my favorite movie because like it it knows how to be fun and it knows how to be serious, like have have a good story too. And anyway, this is kind of the movie you're getting into. And um, um, the last thing is, I need Peter dancing at the top of a pipe after he does that 540 invert. I need that as a oh gift. yeah. And I need that in my life immediately because it's it is it is a dance that it's like that's that's the way you decide to shoot uh, to celebrate. It's my favorite moment in the movie is Peter mm-hmm. Peter's dance because it's like borderline completely inappropriate, and also he just looks like so uncomfortable and so unfamiliar with what he's doing. It's, yeah, but he's so happy. <laughs> No, it's it. Yeah, no, that's that is a moment that's. Uh, I'm maybe I'll try and build that GIF later today. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> cool. Hey, I'm all out of notes, but I don't. You know, if you have more, I don't want to stop you. No, I mean, like I said, it's pretty much just something that I've grown up on forever. That song, "Look Before You Leap," that little ska, you know, thing going on is just it sticks in my head. So now I got that for another 22 years. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, as always. Uh, but Evan, uh, if somebody's in your situation, uh, hasn't seen this in, or was in your situation, has, hasn't seen this in like 15 years or something like that, they remember it pretty fondly. Uh, would you recommend that, you know, if they're wanting to check it out, that they should actually rewatch it? Or would you just say, nah, just keep your memories where they're at? No, I'd, I'd definitely say, hey, if, if this is something that you liked before, check it out again. It is cheesy. It will make you cringe at moments with the soul skating and stuff like that. But it's a good time. The, again, the music's fun. It is a blast of uh, 90s, especially California-isms. So, yeah, load up Disney+. Plus, Enjoy it. It's an hour and a half. You won't hate your life for it. Yeah, I'll I'll say the same thing. Except you, know, I'm kind of speaking more to the people that are like me that have never seen this movie. I mean, frankly, like I'd probably rather watch MVP or MVP two <laughs> just because like it it kind of embraces the silly a little bit more. You know, when you have the monkey doing the things and kind yeah. of makes it. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably a worse movie than this one, but uh, you know, you could do a lot worse. Like this isn't a bad time. This is a pretty okay time, pretty good time. There's not any moments that are going to allow you, but you know it's it's a decent watch. And you know if you just want something on in the background while you're like cooking or something, like this is a pretty okay pick. I'm you know I'm not mad at all that I watched it. You know because 
a lot of times these nostalgia ones, I just watch and I'm just like, yeah, your nostalgia has completely clouded your view. This is a bad movie. Like that's just a lot of times the way this works, but, um, but no, this, uh, this is, this is a decent, decent time. Like it's not a good movie. It's a good time. Well, I'm glad to reintroduce it to you or uh, to introduce it. Yeah. To you. It wasn't a reintroduction introduction for me. Yeah. And it, if you don't have Disney plus, it's only like six bucks to buy like four bucks to rent. Like, you know, again, if you're looking or just get someone's password, there's right. like seven accounts on there. I'm like, if you're having a good time with it, like if, if you're interested, but you don't have a Disney plus, like you could do worse with six bucks, right? Mm-hmm. You could buy Terminator dark fate. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> Probably not for six bucks, but <laughs> all that in mind, let's move on to the B plot. Evan, we got this question from Joseph and he said, what is a movie soundtrack that you think is great despite it being a bad movie? All right, so am I going first for this one? Sure. I'm not going to say that the film's bad, but I will say that the soundtrack is phenomenal. And I don't believe that the movie holds up to the promise that this soundtrack delivers. Okay. And that is The Man of Steel. I think that when someone says, you're going to make a Superman theme, knowing that there's already the John Williams suite and Hans Zimmer turns this in. Holy crap. Is that soundtrack amazing? Yeah. And like, I will throw on flight on a whim. I will just like, I want to feel jazzed. So I will throw on flight and just feel pumped. And then you watch the movie. And while it has some cool visuals and stuff, I'm not the biggest fan of Zack Snyder as a storyteller. I think he's an amazing visual artist. I think he can really capture a look or a he can make the comic come to life on screen. However, I don't think he does well when it comes to getting the emotions. That's right. what I think. I think I've said that in Watchmen and I'll stand by that is I think Zack Snyder would make a better cinematographer than he would a director mm-hmm. or a director of cinematography. So yeah. he's basically saying like, yeah, I think that's fair. And yeah, you're right. This is, this it's an incredible score for a relatively mediocre movie it's uh especially like you like you said you you have that iconic superman score and how do you build off of that and how do you do something that's unique and just as epic and he freaking pulls it off and i'm also really happy that they that he didn't do like just a reimagining of that score like it is something mm-hmm. new and original it's not kind of like with uh with the amazing spider-man 2 with when uh when zimmer did that score um, <laughs> yeah. yo he did oh, no, he did an smart. updated techno version of this of the cartoon and like it's kind of okay, but it's distracting and it's not anything like special. Yeah. I mean, that third trailer for The Man of Steel, which has uh, what the, the song is called Ideal of Hope. Okay. Uh, it's not actually in the soundtrack, but it is a it was made for the trailer. That trailer is the movie that I'm still waiting for. So I totally agree. I, I think the trailers were much better. Or promising a much better movie than I actually got. And especially, I think the first trailer has some epic music um, because it's not anything from the Zimmer score. It's kind of a combination. And I love when like films use other films for their trailer score because this was, uh, they used a combination of, it looks like Elegy, which I don't think was a, necessarily a film score. I could be wrong because uh, I have them both in my um, podcast playlist because it's epic. But it's that like, um, kind of vocal, instrumental, just kind of mm-hmm. 
really beautiful, really setting a tone. And then all of a sudden it moves into kind of transitions pretty smoothly into uh, storm from the Elizabeth soundtrack, which mm-hmm. I haven't seen. I don't plan on it, but it's like this big, powerful epic. And gosh, it, it, it just gets me. It gets me in the mood. It gets me going. But yeah, I, th- I think that's an excellent call. Uh, that, that said, I do want to say Henry Cavill, not the problem. Sure. Every, all the cast, not the problem. The movie just doesn't hold up in my mind as big of a Superman fan as I am. But that soundtrack, it's the sort of thing where if I got the ability to ever make my own Superman film, I'd be upset that I couldn't just have that score. Yeah. I'd be like, I can do everything, but I'll never have the score that I wish I had for mine. Sure. I I think the same thing. Yeah. I'll take us, uh, I think to a different kind of place. Uh, Cause I, so when I did, when I thought of this question, I thought of actual soundtrack. So I have two of them that are actual soundtrack, but I want to, I want to stick with scores here for just a second. Cause I think I have three really good ones because I'm just looking through my instrumental playlist and I'm like, which of these do I not actually particularly care for? So, uh, Ooh, I'll even throw in a video game. I think. Ooh. All right. Uh, let me start with uh, the video game then. I recently finished playing Jedi Fallen Order. This is a good game, but it's not excellent. I recently decided I'm not going to keep around because I don't know that I'm ever going to replay it. Because even if I do want to replay it, I'd rather just play The Force Unleashed again because those games are excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll play a sequel for Jedi Fallen Order when it comes out. But it, it's just, I don't know. It, it's not amazing. There's a lot that I don't particularly care about. I think the story is really good. Just... Yeah, I don't particularly love the way they set up that world. And I'd be excited to see how they improve on it. But I think the score is particularly excellent. Specifically, there's a moment where um, you're you're flying on a bird. It's called the, the song is called The Flight of the Shio Bird. And it is beautiful. Um, and by far the best moment in that game. So, yeah, that's what I'll, what I'll say about the video game one. Um, I have three film scores that I think are for great scores for mediocre or bad movies uh we'll start off with the dark knight rises we'll keep it in nolan uh, i mm. i don't like the dark knight rises but i think the score is excellent i think the dark knight rises is the best of the three scores for for the nolan trilogy but uh it, it encompasses it but it, it is it, the worst movie of those three <laughs> by far i'll just briefly mention that uh and i'll talk about the, th- the thin red line um i don't like terrence malick but this is maybe the best film score of all time <laughs> are you familiar with the score at all I am not. So now I'm going to have to, if, if I have heard it, I wasn't associating it to the film okay. name. I guarantee you've heard the, the, the kind of prominent one in there is called journey to the line by Hans Zimmer again. First of all, I kind of talked about a couple weeks ago, how I think Hans Zimmer kind of rips off himself a lot. Uh, oh yeah. This is almost identical to dream in inception, which is definitely the best song in that soundtrack. It's very similar. But also, this was used in... My first exposure to the song was used in the X-Men Days of Future Past, like, official, I think, first trailer. Like, it's Mm -hmm. big, it's operatic, it's bombastic, it's epic, it's incredible. It might be my favorite scored song of all time. It's definitely for a movie. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty close. I mean, something like Hymn to the Fallen from Saving Private Ryan is, is definitely up there too. Schindler's List main theme is also definitely up there. But anyway, it's it's great. It's incredible. I'm sure if you start listening to it, you'll hear it and you'll mm-hmm. know it. Uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna throw out one more film that I haven't seen, but I can assume it's as bad as I think it is. Um, but it has an excellent score. And I'm going to talk about Angels and Demons. This is, the, okay. uh, this is the Da Vinci Code sequel. Have you seen this? 
I saw it once when I was still working at Blockbuster, I, I believe. I uh, rented it on a it was for it was free. So yeah. that's the one with you and McGregor, right? I don't know because I haven't seen it. All I know is there's Da Vinci Code and then Angels and Demons and then Inferno. Yeah. Um, so it's the middle of the three that they've made. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just didn't see this because, I mean, I was kind of particularly interested in it based off the trailer, but I'm not a big fan of the Da Vinci Code. I haven't seen it in forever, but I, I definitely wasn't interested in returning to that world. But the score is is excellent. And again, Hans Zimmer. Um, specifically, there's one called 180 BPM. That's just phenomenal. And uh, Science and Religion and the God Particle. Oh, 160 BPM. Uh, and then Science and Religion is another one. The God Particle and Fire. Those are all just incredible. Um, but I'm going to assume the movie is mediocre to bad. It's not great. It's yeah. nothing that I remember the more s- than I think it's Ewan McGregor. Sure. And- the, the score is very memorable. Do you have do you have any other examples or should I do my actual soundtracks? Oh no, do your soundtracks. Go for it. Because uh, I think I would basically just say Matrix films have pretty cool soundtracks, but obviously the second and third are not very good films. So, I mean, I think I like them more than most, but I don't think I saw any of them until I was like a senior in high school. So it was 10, 15 years after they came out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about yeah two that are specifically film soundtracks that I I think are great and there are bad movies. One of them is Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. I remember I saw the movie in theaters opening weekend and I was at Target sometime next recently. I was like, I like I really liked the movie and that I picked up the soundtrack. I still have it. I, I don't really listen to it much anymore, but I mean the this is when uh when Lincoln Park did New Divide. That that was for this one. That's I think a good song. Uh, Green Day had 21 guns on that soundtrack. There's some Hoobastank, there's some uh, uh stained there's uh there's just some some really good like mid 2000s alt rock on there and that's kind of my jam. <laughs> so it's a good soundtrack. Obviously not a good movie. Hmm. Uh the other one I'll give is Project Almanac. Do you remember this movie? No. No, does I I the name sounds familiar but I couldn't tell you anything. It'd be one of those boulder dash where I'm making it up just to try and sound like I know what I'm talking about. This is one of those I was actually kind of excited because of the concept, but I was definitely was not going to go see it um once it actually got close to coming out and uh and then I watched it cuz it was on a plane. And I was like, I don't have to pay for it. And what else am I going to do for this time? It's a, a group of teens discover secret plans of a time machine and construct one. However, things start to get out of control. So it's kind of kind of like a Chronicle ripoff, um, mm-hmm. but just with a time machine instead of alien stuff. Doesn't really star anybody that's noteworthy. No, no, I don't remember anybody being particularly good or anything like that. No, like cast or crew. That's whatever. But I remember um, it had a really awesome soundtrack to it. And because this movie came out in 2015, this was like all of the like 2015, like number one charts in the rock category. Like it had some X ambassadors. It had Imagine Dragons in it. Like, uh, okay. like it had like radioactive in it, I think was the, uh, was one of the big ones they had. And it had jungle by X ambassadors as the like final closing song. That's kind of my sweet spot, you know, like 2000s alternative, 2000s to 2000 current mm-hmm. alternative alternative rock is uh, is my sweet spot. So uh, not a good movie. Great soundtrack. Yeah, I see that it came out in January, which is basically at least we'll see how things go once the theaters can reopen. But uh, January was yeah, January was my birthday's January 10th. So every time I'm like, oh, yeah, we could go see a movie on my birthday. It's like, but it's trash. So. 
I, I had this on the same thing on January 31st. So it's nothing but crap. It's pretty much just catching up on old uh, or on films that were already out for Oscars if they're available. Yep. That makes, yeah. Well, and that, you know, that's kind of nice that they start replaying those, but typically it's not until February. No. Because the Oscars yeah. have been continually getting pushed back, but it sounds like they're going back to February. So we'll probably get some decent releases in January again. But yeah, hopefully. Cool. Well, hey, uh, let's move on to the spinoff then. Uh, Evan, what is, the, what is that one thing in pop culture that you really want to tell everybody to watch or to avoid? So I have two things that I want people to watch. One is Chuck, the TV show. It has Zach Levi. He introduces the world to him before he became Shazam and you know did the voice of Tangled or Entangled. In, it was a great show that had a small but very lively fan base, mm-hmm. much like uh, much like Community did, where it's nerd pop culture, but it's just being those characters. They're not trying to make references. They are just referenced because it's within that world. And I love that show with all of my heart. I think it's very funny. I think it's incredibly heartfelt. Uh, the final episode did bring tears to my eyes because I just loved so much what that show meant for me at the time. Sure. And the entire cast is amazing. So if you haven't seen it because it just, again, you just didn't see it when it was on TV. It is on Amazon Prime now. You can watch the entire series. It is well worth it. It's about uh, a guy that works at a Buy More, which is basically Best Buy, working for Geek Squad. And he gets a computer basically downloaded into his head that holds all the information from the CIA and the NSA. And then he just kind of falls into the spiral in in a very fun, imaginative way. And it just gets better and better throughout. Love the cast. It's I, I can't recommend it enough. Also has a fantastic soundtrack pretty much throughout. Both the original score that they used for the show and any songs that they featured in are really fun. So cool. I sometimes just say, you know, listen to music from Chuck and I'll get good music in there. And yeah. then I, uh, I've heard that I need to watch this and I, for some reason, just didn't put it on my list when I was coming up with my like cumulative queue recently. So I definitely put that on, especially cause like I've heard because I'm such a big scrubs fan, I will love this show too. Yeah. Yes, so. definitely. Um, so definitely watch that. And then, uh, just because I'm, I'm a dork and I want to tell people something free on YouTube. If you haven't watched it and grew up with dragon ball Z, we're going full nineties. Uh, this this week. <laughs> uh, if you liked Dragon Ball Z at all, or if you're even just familiar with it, watch the Dragon Ball Z abridged series. Uh, it goes from it's 60 episodes. They started out kind of like you know five ten minutes long. They kind of got a little bit better at it over time. It took them like a decade to do. Uh, but by the end of it, dear God, the quality it it could be on. You could throw this on Adult Swim. You could throw this on with someone and they would not know that this was not real Dragon Ball Z by the quality that they start doing the voices, the music, and it's stupid funny. So if you want to, if you want to watch it, it's, it's a show that makes fun of the show, but as fans of the show, Uh, check that out. Great voice acting by a bunch of YouTubers and uh, it's fun. Cool. I'm going to talk about, uh, so I haven't really watched much between talking about uh, stuff with Robert and talking with you because I've been playing a lot of video games Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just, you know, I'm playing resident evil too. And I feel like 
beating a dead horse if I say go play Resident Evil 2. I'm going to talk about a different video game, though, and um, it, it's it's special to me. I'm going to talk about Clone Hero. Now, this is a game you can get on your PC or your Mac. You uh, just search Clone Hero, and you can download it from their website. It's essentially developers have made a PC version where you can import custom songs um, for Guitar Hero format. Oh, nice. And I'm a big Guitar Hero fan. I've had uh, I've had them since Guitar Hero 2, and I've played most of them. And so I'm as somebody who is mad that they are not backwards compatible and they're not planning on like re-releasing it anytime soon. Um, and I even like really loved Guitar Hero Live before they shut the servers down, but they shut the servers down and I hate that now. Like because of all that, like I, I, I was really itching for Guitar Hero Fix. So I wound up probably like two years ago buying a PlayStation 2 and all the games I could with that, which nice. is not was not a cheap thing to do. But with Clone Hero, you can just play it all on your PC. You can download any any uh, album. They'll give you directions on how to get, how to do it for um, uh, Guitar Hero, a- any Guitar Hero game there's ever been, any rock band game there's ever been. Um, you're able to to import them into Clone Hero, and um, if you have a Mac, um, you can get any of the uh, several of the five fret guitars to work really well. Uh, they also support oh. the drum sets, um, so you can. If you have a drum set, you can even uh, plug in that way. If you have a Windows, you can do me- more guitars, and you can even do the Guitar Hero Live guitars. Um, so you'll just check your compatibility um, on their fandom wiki. So um, I just wanted to pimp that because I never heard about it, but Guitar Hero is something I've been you know, craving because I loved it. Uh, and uh, I- I'm excited to, to dive into it more. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to play much of it, but I just... I wanted people to know that if you're like me and you miss Guitar Hero, there's a very easy, very cheap way. I mean, you have to buy a guitar, which can get expensive, but the program is free. Uh, this, and most songs are free. So very that's, cool. that's what I'm going to pimp. Well, that's a wrap. Quick reminder that Sith Pop Writers Room is part of Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you're writing for SithPop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send a question to Explore During the B-Plot, you can email us at writersroom at SithPop.com email should be in your show description if you want to support the show help out with some costs we pay for out of pocket such as fees equipments and rentals you can venmo me at schweit castle or you can email me or dm me on twitter also at schweit castle and i'll send you a paypal address paypal address if that's your preferred way to give and please don't forget to leave us a review on itunes if you're listening via apple Podcasts. it helps out the show more than you'll ever possibly know and you can uh, uh go ahead and find me on letterboxd as well just search at schweit castle um, but uh, but Evan, where can uh, where can listeners find you, and where can people go tell you to skate better? Oh yeah, it's the uh, <laughs> so yeah um, on Twitter, I am at Luckbuckets. That's L U C K B U C K E T S at uh, on Twitter, and I think you can also search that on Letterboxd or just my name, uh, Evan Luckin. But uh, yeah, Luckbuckets, pretty much anywhere. Hit me up, tell me to skate better, and. <laughs> You know, just remember, soul skaters together, there's nothing we can't do. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, Evan, it's been awesome having you on the show. Really appreciate your time and uh, introducing me to Brink. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. See you again. Well, we'll do it again sometime soon, sometime in the next uh, next couple months. And uh, um, next month, I'm talking about nostalgia movies. I'm talking about the Mighty Ducks trilogy with... Uh, oh. 
producer Phil actually of Sif Pop and uh, and a Sif Pop writer that is yet to be determined because I'm working the schedule now. Um, so in a month, I'll be looking forward to that. We'll be talking about the Mighty Ducks trilogy. And next week, I'm talking about um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 1. So be... Uh, uh, be be ready to listen to to stuff about that. But uh, but in the meantime, Evan, I'm pretty sure we got to get back to the writers' room. Oh yeah.